Hey folks, JR, back for another episode of Mayhem in the Mid-South. This episode's gonna be Mill Branch Murders. Uh, this episode here was suggested by Mr. Knox Guy 101. He had asked me if I was familiar with the defendant in this case, Preston Carter, and I said I was not, and asked him to send me something on him. And so he sends me some some stuff to look up, and I guess I should have remembered who this fellow was. The double murder that he committed happened at my precinct during the time I was working there and it actually occurred on my shift but I simply didn't remember until I started reading the information so a big shout out to Mr. Knox Guy 101 for suggesting this case you know, there seems to be so many murders in Memphis that you you don't have time to grieve for the innocent before the, the next one dies. Now, the following information came from records of the Tennessee Appellate Court and the Tennessee Supreme Court. It's May 28, 1993. at the Mill Branch Park Apartments. Those apartments are located in South Memphis. They're on Mill Branch, just a rock's throw away from the intersection of Mill Branch and Winchester, and they're on the east side of the street. And the information related to what occurred inside the apartment is going to come from Preston Carter, who was one of three defendants that were involved in this crime. So on the 28th, Preston Carter... Lewis Anderson and Darnell Ivory went to that apartment complex. Now they were able to get in, even though there was a there's, it's controlled access gates because they were given the code by a resident of that complex who had tipped them off to a a drug dealer that lived in the complex that they could rob. So somewhere a little after midnight, Carter, Anderson, and Ivory punch in the gate code in through the front entrance, hang that first right, and then it's the first building on the right. Now they're armed with a double barrel 12 gauge Ithaca shotgun. The barrel on the stock have been sawed off. 
They made a slight miscalculation, though. They were shown this alleged dope dealer's apartment in the daytime. Well, now they've come back at night. And they've gotten confused as to which apartment it is. Now, what they've been told is if when they knock on the door, a female will come to the door and ask them what they want, what kind of narcotics. So they know what the M.O. is. They know what this dope dealer's apartment, what's supposed to happen. So they knock on the door. And there's a voice from the inside that calls out to them, wants to know what do they want. And the guy won't open the door, and he says, I don't have anything. What are you talking about? Lewis says, your brother Corey sent me over here to get something. Well, that didn't work either because... The guy on the other side of the door ain't opening the door. So right then and there, the three of them know they've knocked on the wrong apartment door. They know they're in the wrong place. They know this is not the dope dealer's apartment. Now, remember this is coming from Carter, Preston Carter's confession, so they're always going to be slightly in their own favor. According to him... Lewis Anderson says, fuck it. And he tells Preston to hand him the shotgun, and he tells Preston to kick the door in. So Preston Carter, he kicks the door in. Now the apartment door they've just kicked in belongs to a married couple Thomas and Tanisia Jackson. Tanisia's 24 years old. Thomas is 26. And they've got a three-year-old daughter named Tyranny. Now, Thomas Jackson has a job, but it's not selling dope. He works at the Cecil's Bakery on Elvis Presley and he's got to get up in just a few hours to go to work so now Carter and Anderson are inside the apartment Carter's demanding money from Mr. Jackson Mr. Jackson's honestly telling him, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Anderson tells the guy, yes, you do. Get over in, get over in the closet. Now, before Mr. Jackson gets in the closet, he tells Anderson that his wife's in the bathroom. And Anderson... Tells Mr. Jackson to tell his wife to come on out. So Carter is searching the living room and the kitchen. 
area. He's looking for money or drugs, and he couldn't find anything because he's got the wrong apartment, and they know they do. So Carter heads back towards the master bedroom. That's where Miss Jackson is. That's where Miss. Uh, that's where uh, Anderson has went. So when he gets back to the master bedroom, Anderson is raping Miss Jackson. So when Carter walks in there, and Anderson's raping Miss Jackson, he picks the shotgun up because Anderson still had it. So he picks the shotgun up that's laying on the bed and he walks back out. And he continues to search the apartment. Now, his version of the events is that when he came back out of the bedroom, that Mr. Jackson attacked him and that he has to shoot him in self-defense. Now, by this time, Miss Jackson's in the bathroom. They've moved her to the bathroom. Then Anderson starts asking her, where's the money? And by now, obviously, she's hysterical because she's heard a gunshot, she's been raped, and she's got these two men in her apartment. And now she's getting real loud hollering and screaming. And Anderson just keeps screaming at her, wanting to know where the money is. So finally, Carter, tired of hearing all the screaming, so he shoots her. Now, even in his confession, he says that Miss Jackson was saying, please don't shoot me. I'll do anything. Please don't shoot. So they pick up a few items from the apartment. They head back down to the car. Now, Ivory, Darnell Ivory, he's still in the car. He never did actually come into the apartment. So they leave and go on their merry way. So a few hours later, after the murders have occurred, Derek Lott, who is Miss Jackson's brother, he shows up with another co-worker. So they're going to pick up Mr. Jackson for work. Now, according to Mr. Lott, they see that the front door has been kicked open. And they find Mr. Jackson's wallet and his sister's purse and some papers on the ground there near the front door. According to Mr. Lott, he described the door as being kicked off the hinges. Now, just briefly, I have to make the comment. It, it's amazing that all this is going on and nobody called the police during that entire home invasion, robbery, rape, and double murder, and nobody in that complex called the police. So the two men, they go on and walk into the apartment. 
and they walk into the bedroom, the Jackson's bedroom, and it's been trashed. Now they go into the daughter's bedroom, tyranny. And they look inside the bedroom closet and they find the body of Mr. Jackson. And in Mr. Lott's words, he had his brains hanging out of his head. And then Mr. Lott said he noticed some movement and he pushes the closet door open some more and there's tyranny and she's lying on the floor next to her dead father. She's laying on a pillow in a big puddle of blood. She starts crying and so they pick her up and she says, I told my daddy I had to go to the bathroom but he didn't say nothing and that she had urinated on herself and had fallen asleep by her dead father. So then Mr. Lott, he telephones the police and he calls his mama to tell her that her daughter's dead. Now Mr. Lott hadn't found his sister's body yet. So the police arrive Bobby Grigsby around 4.30 and then Officer Grigsby he finds Miss Jackson laying in the bathroom she's naked from the waist down and she's DOA as well now Miss Jackson had been shot in the head as well Now, part of the confession that Carter tells where he tries to justify shooting and killing Mr. Jackson by saying he attacked him, what actually had happened was Mr. Jackson had left the closet in the living room and went to the bedroom of his three-year-old daughter, picked her up, and put her in the closet. So when Mr. Carter came and executed Mr. Jackson, Mr. Jackson is sitting with his back up against the wall of the closet. Now this crime was so horrible that it's not more than a few hours after the bodies have been discovered that someone does a Crime Stoppers tip names Carter as the trigger man. So Carter is arrested, tried and found guilty, m multiple felonies. I know, by the way, he was on probation from a violent felony when he committed this crime. Now, Carter did later in a, another statement admit to officers that Mr. Jackson didn't attack him, that Mr. Jackson actually ran back to the child's bedroom and 
got the child and went in the closet. He did admit that's that's when and where he shot him, which is which is really big of him since the body was found in the closet in a sitting position. So I, I that's probably a little late. Now, O.C. Smith was the medical examiner at the time. He did the autopsies on Mr. and Miss Jackson. Dr. Smith said that Mr. Jackson died as a result of a shotgun wound to the head. That wound was at a contact range with the muzzle of the weapon up against the skin at the time it was discharged. So he stuck that shotgun right up to Mr. Jackson's head. The shotgun wound was above the right eye, just inside the hairline. And Dr. Smith said that Mr. Jackson would have died instantaneously. Now, Miss Jackson, she too died as a result of a shotgun wound to the head. And the shotgun wound entered her left eye and just destroyed the whole left side of her head. And that thankfully, Miss Jackson died instantly as well. Carter's been sitting on death row since 1995. 26 years. And he's probably going to die of old age before he's executed. I don't know why we have a death penalty if we're not going to use it. 26 years and he's still alive and we're paying three to four times more money for him being on death row than we would be if he was in general population. And this right here is another case of an obvious smoking gun where Carter should have been executed within 365 days of being sentenced to death by a jury. So we need to either modify the death penalty law in the states or we just need to get rid of it because it serves no purpose. There is no deterrent factor in waiting 26 years.